everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. Good to be with you again back here in Studio 22, hanging out with my buddy Mike Ritland. Good to have you on, Mike. Good to see you. No, it's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate the invite. We got a lot to talk about today because you and I have a lot of common interests, um, and, and you're I'm an expert of none of them, and you're an expert on all of them, <laughs> and I can't wait to pick your brain. Got our director, Mark, sitting over here, hanging Hi, out everybody. at the control booth. The uh, puppet master himself That's is... Right. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I like the Puppet Master nickname. I, we might have to go with Puppet That's Master one. Mark. And we can see who's the puppet each week. <laughs> yeah, and you'll notice the puppet is missing. There's no bougie. Yeah, there's no, no bougie back there. Bougie's it's, not there today. It's and, hard to uh, get somebody to come in on a Monday morning. Yeah, and there I'm, he goes. I'm by myself today. Party so. Foul Steve's hanging out over there. Look at the tight shot on Party Foul Steve. Is it that tight? Folds look of at honor that. Shirt. Folds look of Honor corner over here. You look, you look keto skinny, man. It looks like I'm you've working been on it. eating the fat and losing the fat. I love it. I think so. Yeah, you're back hard on the keto, aren't you? Back hard on it. God, you're. You're a sexy specimen of a man. Yes. Yeah. You had, did, Were you intimidated last week when we had all those Marines in here and they were still high and tight and you look like a hippie? No. No? Didn't have a problem total, with that? Total comfort. Mm-mm. No? Doesn't tell you to get back in rigs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get in them blues, boy. <laughs> hey, look, you know, we've got a, a show that's coming up in May, May 11th, our Star Spangled Banter Tour. I'm headed home. I'm going to Augusta, Georgia, the place where I grew up. And I'm uh, going to be back there May 11th. Tickets just went on sale over the weekend, and so you can go to watchchad.com, pick those up. We're going to be at the Miller Theater. I think it holds about 1,300 people, and uh, it's going to sell out very, very fast. So I want you to go get those tickets, and hey, give me a great homecoming, because uh, I, I like to make money. I like the hometown money, is what I like. I love capitalism, Mike. That's what I love. You're and uh, We're going to refer to some things today that are going to make... make uh, Make us both realize how much we appreciate capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Mike is a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. See, I always call people like what they – like Marines don't want to be called former Marines or used yeah. to be a Marine. They're still Marines. Yeah. So I don't know how the Navy – I mean, to me, I don't I don't really give a shit, honestly. I mean, I, like you, can, <laughs> okay. you can call me a circus clown if you want. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I used to be a SEAL. I'm not anymore. I yeah. didn't retire. I did a little over 12 years. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean – I mean, you know, first of all, thank you. And second of all, it's an accomplishment. I mean, it really is. And, and I've, I've been fortunate enough over the over the years to get to know some folks who who have accomplished that and did that. And I'm like, it makes you realize how much of a, not a man I am, really, when it comes down to it. We, we were coming to the studio today, and, and Mike had sent me a text. And he said, I'm, I'm here a little bit early. And so we pulled up, and Party Foul said, he said, he's a SEAL, man. He's going to be early. He's going to be. And I said, he's, he's probably standing out there in this cold weather. And I said, yeah, wet. You know, he's, yeah. he's out there soaking. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> I want to get into that a little bit. But he's the host of a great podcast that everybody needs to be listening to called Mike Drop. And uh, you might have recalled a recent episode that went, I guess we call it viral yeah. in a big way. Uh, made a lot of big outlets out there that you, you uh, sat down with Lara Logan that was a fun little conversation you guys had. It was, and if uh, looking back on it, if I had known that it was going to go that widespread, I probably would have thrown a better T-shirt on but, uh, <laughs> and, and not had like a compression sleeve on and looking like a slob. But uh, yeah, it was it was really unexpected, frankly. I mean, I've known Laura for eight or nine years now, and uh, and her husband real well, and you know she was just kind of doing me a solid. She interviewed me six years ago for the sixty minutes thing, and and uh, so she's kind of returning. I, I was returning the favor, or she yeah. was returning the favor, and and uh, yeah, just you know she kind of opened up, which she hadn't really done before. I mean, she was swearing and you know just telling it, you know, like right. we're sitting at her kitchen table, which we were, but I mean, like there's no no microphones on or cameras rolling or whatever, and just just got after it, and uh, yeah, I mean the the media kind of lost their mind hearing a. 
a, a journalist of her stature and caliber uh, kind of calling the media out for being so so left leaning, and uh, yeah, it was pretty neat to see. Yeah, and and it was it was one of those things where because I, I watched it, I, I saw the the clip, and, and I was listening to it, and I and I thought, wow, did she really just say what? I think she just said, yeah. and I and I go, man, because I think that people were so refreshed to hear somebody be honest about the media and say, yeah, uh, they've gotten to a point where they're almost, you know, activists basically for the mm-hmm. left, and and you know, she's she certainly <clears throat> has her own leanings, and it was refreshing to hear somebody just say, this is the fact, this is the truth, this yeah. is where we've gone. I think especially somebody with with her credentials, you know, yeah. and and her background. I mean, it's one thing if Alex Jones says that. Right, you know, to have a, a sixty minutes uh, or CBS Foreign Affairs senior correspondent tee off on the media the way that she did, and, and really pull no punches and, and not censor herself whatsoever, uh, you just don't see that, you yeah. know. And so uh, I was, it was definitely refreshing to me too. And you know, when when we did it, I didn't really think like, wow, this is going to be solid gold, and everybody <laughs> like it, it was. It, it caught us both by surprise, frankly. Right. I mean, she she's called me a few times since then. And just I was going like, to ask you what the what the follow up has been with that, is from yeah. her perspective. Yeah, I mean, kind of similar. She's like, I didn't see this coming. I mean, which yeah. I, I guess I would have figured she probably would have more than I would. But uh, I mean, she knew you know, the one of the comments she made was, you know, this is um, career suicide. So I mean, she had some some inkling of what what she was talking about, but uh, maybe maybe didn't didn't realize it have the reach. Yeah, through you know a, a no name like me's podcast or something like that. I, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it was pretty pretty cool to see for sure. Did she get a lot of negative blowback from the people in that industry, or has it been just solid across the board? I mean, um, consistent. I, I haven't seen any of it. Um, yeah, I think just like with a lot of things, they just don't cover it if it's something they don't like. I mean, I don't know how you if you take her 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 background and experience and and leverage it or contrast it to what she said, you know. If you're a, a liberal media uh, executive host personality, what have you, I, I don't know how you argue with it, you know. Yeah. And so, to me, just like with a lot of things, it's like you know, with the uh, with the Michael Cohen stuff, him debunking as many things as he did, and now they just they're just not talking about it. You know, they're yeah. happy to talk about it when it suits their agenda. And so, if it doesn't, they just kind of bury it. On the on the other side of the token, she's gotten a lot of overwhelming support from uh, conservative outlets. And, I'm sure. And, yeah. uh, even more independence of just you know. <clears throat> Same kind of thing, being uh, or feeling refreshed that she was willing to go that route. Uh, certainly, in in some of the comments, a lot of people were, you know, doing what what they normally do of of you know, bringing in personal attacks and you know talking about her image and the shirt she was wearing and you know going going that route, which uh, you know to me <laughs> discredits you immediately it's, if that's exactly the first thing you say. But exactly, yeah. no, I, and I you know. I, I thought it was interesting. Mark, did you see the interview? Did you see that piece where, where Laura was talking? And she basically said, hey, you know, they've become kind of propagandists for the left, you know, talking about the mainstream media. It was pretty. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to. Yeah, you got to check that out. And anybody who hasn't, I, I encourage you to go. All you got to do is do a search for Mike Ritlin and Laura Logan, yeah. L-A-R-A, and uh, you'll see it. It's there. Yeah. Was it one of those situations where somebody, you know, sends you a message and goes, uh, you're on Fox News this morning? Yeah. 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 I, I got, uh, I mean, pe- like people I hadn't heard from in a decade. Yeah. Know, like, dude, you're on, you know, which, uh, whatever. I, which, you know, again, to me was, uh, it was not expected, you yeah. know. So uh, I was really surprised at how many, how many different media outlets picked it up and had her on to talk about it and, and showed clips of the interview. And uh, yeah, it was just weird, you know. 
It's a weird feeling. I'll tell you, the first time I was ever on Fox and Friends, I didn't know uh, Fox News. I didn't know I was going to be on Fox News. I had a buddy of mine who sent me a text message and said, hey, man, you're on Fox. And I was like, which affiliate? You know, because I thought it was just a local Fox affiliate. And he was was over in Georgia. And he goes, no, you're on Fox News right now. They're talking about you. And so I go in there and I look in there. And sure enough, there's my ugly mug up on the deal. And then I can remember another time where I did something in Pierce Morgan. Had retweeted re- Pierce Morgan's talking about me, and I'm like, you know, I'm just a I'm just a dude in a truck with a cowboy hat on, you know, yeah. dog in the back running his mouth, and you know, it kind of takes you by surprise. It's kind of one of those, whoops, I would have dressed better. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> it. Is I, uh, I mean, I had done three three really long episodes that week, and and I traveled five and a half hours to to get to her, so we yeah. left at like four in the morning. After doing two really long emotional episodes, you know, the two days prior to that, and so I was, I was kind of at my, you know, burning it at both ends, uh, you know, on fumes, so to speak. So I was, I was a bit in the hurt locker showing up, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, yeah, it, it just uh, totally, totally caught me off guard. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd been on, you know, Fox a few times for for the books that had come out, but in a yeah. in a totally different capacity. You know, it had you know everything to do with military working dogs and and uh, dog training and stuff. So to to be in uh, in a, on a media outlet of that magnitude for media related stuff was yeah. uh, was pretty cool. But. It's a cool deal. It's a cool deal, and I encourage everybody to to go check it out. And it's a great talk. And uh, I like Laura. I mean, she's she's you know uh, yeah. she's great, and I really appreciated her doing what she did. And um, yeah, I know it's it was funny because a few days after that, I got a text message from my agent, my uh, live event agent out in L.A. And he said, "Do we like Mike Ritland?" And I said, <laughs> "What? what? Where's that? What's that? You know, what's that? Where's that coming from?" I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Okay, good. We got it." You know, I always go into my <laughs> my my agent and my dog are both named Willie. Yeah. I always go into my my Willie voice. He Willie's gay. Everybody knows Willie's gay. He's he's proud to be gay. And he's like, "We got to get him on our show. We got to get him." <laughs> So excited! Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure we like Mike Ritland." So we, anyway, do we like him? <laughs> do we like him? Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so L.A. You know, so yeah. Beverly Hills with these guys. Do we? Let's set up a lunch. Let's do a breakfast. Yeah. Let's do a brunch. Mimosas with Mike. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty true. funny because it was out of the blue. Yeah. I mean, just out of the blue. And then of course we had Jason Piccolo on the on the show, and he said he was coming up to do your show, and I was like, "Man, we got to see if Michael comes." So yeah. appreciate you coming on, man. I want to talk a little bit about. And I know our I know our folks that have followed me for a while and have listened, they they know all about my dog Willie. And they, they, everybody keeps saying, Why don't you bring Willie in? You can see the, my little canvas picture back here of Willie. I don't know if y'all are paying attention or not, but Willie's back there. Got him in uh, a downstay for yeah, an hour and a half. I know. He's just <laughs> chilling back there. And I'm, I'm so I had this little canvas deal and uh, you can see he's been digging in the mud. He's got the mud all over his nose and stuff and you know, Willie's good. He's just wanting to get back in the truck. But I, I thought about bringing Willie into the studio today, but you can't see all the stuff around the studio, all the lights and all these things that are propped up. Every, and, and Willie only weighs 85 pounds, so yeah. the tail's like a two-by-four, and every time he wags it, he's going to knock something over. But, uh, you know, I just told him, I said, look, Willie can come in the studio. He'll sit and chill, but he's, he's got to get to know everybody first, you know, yeah. dogs. But how did you get into – because you've written, you've written several books. Um, I want to go back to the story of how you started with dogs. Mm-hmm with your military experience and where that led to? Sure. So, I mean, I, I've always kind of had an affinity for dogs. I grew up in, in northern Iowa with bird dogs. Um, and then when I first came into the military, I got into hog dogs for a number of years. And that's really where I got kind of the animal husbandry aspect pretty hammered mm-hmm. out. 
terms of nutrition and conditioning and, um, you know, breeding, gene- you know, genetic theory and things of that nature, veterinary uh, medicine protocols and, and you name it. And then on a deployment to Iraq, um, there was a group of Marines uh, up in Tikrit, uh, which was Saddam's hometown. We took his, the, the palace down. And in that same area, there was a, an explosive detector dog that, uh, that had, uh, I, I didn't even see it happen. I, I heard about it, you know, kind of through the, the soldier rumor mill, if you will, uh, just that, you know, that they had had a close call with a, a grenade yeah. booby trap. And, and for me, that was kind of my light switch moment was, you know, I know our platoon being in the SEAL teams for as long as I was, we'd been in that situation, I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never had dogs with us, you know. And so uh, for me, that's just kind of when my, my passion and, and desire to want to get involved with them started. And that was in, in 03. From that point uh, all the way up until today, I just, uh, you know, couldn't get enough of it. And uh, so from 03 to the end of 08 when I got out, I just was a, was a student soaking up everything I could. You know, I trained with whoever I could. I went to whatever seminar, read every book, you yeah. know, watched every video, you name it. And uh, then as I got out, I, I did a little bit of work with um, or had some association, not, not a lot, but some association with the West Coast SEAL Team Canine Program. And they had offered me a position as a handler as I was getting out. But uh, back in, in 04, I'd, I'd contracted valley fever, a lung disease, and lost uh, about 40% of my lung capacity wow. permanently. So I didn't know physically that I could do it. And so I decided uh, at that point to, to get out and start my own dog company. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, that same dog company that I started uh, secured the training contract for that same West Coast uh, multi-purpose canine or SEAL canine program. So... You know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I, right. I got out and did what I wanted, but I still ended up, you know, back there as a trainer. And uh, and then, you know, we started the Warrior Dog Foundation uh, in 2010, taking in retired dogs, whether it's police, military, customs, border patrol, secret service, you name it. And these are dogs that are kind of the, the Hannibal Lecters of, uh, of the dog world. They're, yeah. they're a real, real pain in the ass to deal with. But <laughs> but they're, you know. They're I was going to ask you how difficult. They're, they're yeah. difficult. I mean, there's a reason we have them. You yeah. know, and, and it's, it's you know, if a department or unit gets to the point where, you know, they, they can't deal with the dog anymore for a, a host of reasons, um, then, then we take them instead of them getting euthanized. So it's kind of a, a sanctuary first type of mentality and so because of that you know they're all they're all high strung i mean every everybody that's ever worked for me has been bit multiple times right. um you know it's just part of the gig uh but so they're they're tough to deal with but we've taken in over 100 dogs at this point and uh you know are pretty passionate about it and proud yeah. of the fact that that we've done it uh you know freestanding there's no federal funding or grants or anything that we've received from uh, from uncle sam and, and have done it all through the generosity of private folks so uh it's been a pretty neat neat project but um, how can people how can people get familiar with that how can they uh, support that uh just warriordogfoundation.org uh, is is the website and that's the best way to find out more about it yeah. and, and then ultimately support because it's a great deal anybody that studies up on that they see i mean you, you you're doing a great service because you know like you said you don't want the dogs euthanized but you've got you kind of give them that happy home to retire into and and you know yeah yeah, I mean the 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 secret is understanding basic dog psychology and and just letting them be a dog. Yeah, you know that that's the primary thing is that they're they're coming from environments where they've had a lot of pressure put on them uh, to perform and and their operational tempo is is high. You know they're going out most nights or multiple times a day and, yeah. and biting people and finding stuff and and whatever. So to get them to uh, to unwind and realize that you know there are other aspects of being a dog that uh, yeah. that don't involve killing everybody. 
See, people, uh, I don't think people, the average person doesn't think like that. Like, I mean, it's almost like dog PTSD. For sure it is. In, in that. And, yeah. they, and they're like, you know, these dogs are so high strung. And it's like, what do you do with them now? Can they, yeah. can these dogs be, you know, get therapy? Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we do. You know, we use food and positive reinforcement yeah. to kind of unwind them and, and uh, take that edge off a little bit. And some of them, we get to the point where they're rehabbed, where we rehome them to, to, to folks. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them we don't, you know, and we just keep them and, and let them be a dog and let them run around the, the ranch where I, I'm at. And and uh, that's, that's. You're a dog. Yeah. yeah be Go a dog. be a dog. Go do dog stuff. Yeah. Go piss on everything. I know. I remember that. Uh, what was it? C-Spot Run movie where the they, the FBI dog breaks loose because the mafia's got a hit on him. Yeah. And he winds up with a kid and he doesn't know how to be a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's real life stuff. I mean, in terms of, of you know, you got to you, you almost have to untrain them, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like with anything. I mean, the thing that I think a lot of people don't don't realize until you mention it and break it down is that, you know, the way a dog thinks is not the way we think. Yeah. You know, they, they've never thought in a language. They don't think in a language. So if, if you if you think about just that, you know, that their mind works more like a calculator than it does our mind. So they're mm-hmm. making an association with everything. They're not rationalizing through things. It's A plus B equals C for everything. And so the good thing about that is you can take – whatever negative experience that dog has had and you can pair positive things with it over and over and over and, and ultimately kind of like rewriting a hard drive is that their mind is the hard drive and you're kind of writing over the negative experiences that they've yeah. had you know so i'm almost scared to get you into this conversation steve talking about <laughs> no, dogs I, I can talk a little bit about dogs yeah you you and your <laughs> greyhound experience yeah you ever have to untrain those race no. dogs when they retire they just <laughs> go lay run. down they go lay down <laughs> tired of running retired greyhounds are the best yeah. pets as far as to lay around and do nothing yeah yeah hey, let them out once a day let them run across the backyard bring them back in and just chill chill yeah good lord these dogs i love them i grew up with dogs i i make jokes about you know growing up in georgia uh, we grew up way down in the woods and my brothers were gone off to school so i didn't have neighborhood kids i had the dogs mm. and i had you know the trees and the woods and for a kid with hyperactivity yeah. issues it was it was it was I had to have something going on all the time. So I was constantly out in the woods with the dogs, you know, yeah. jumping over creeks, finding snakes and, you know, killing squirrels with a rock and stuff like that. Now it just in the dogs were always right there. So yeah. I'm like you, I had I had the bird dogs growing up and then got into uh, uh, kind of the cattle world and we had border collies. And I was intimidated by the border collies because they're so damn smart. I mean, they're smarter than us. You yeah. know, these dogs are you want to talk about a, that's they're on they're a high speed calculator. Yeah. And then uh, when my when my last border collie finally passed away, um, uh, it was my favorite dog of all time. This dog was incredible, and uh, sometimes I'll still make the mistake and call my dogs now by his name. It's not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and but anyway, no. We, and then we got involved with um, Capel Canine, which is down in south of Fort Worth, and of course that's where my Willie came from. And and uh, we got we got real strongly interested in the world of personal protection dogs and, you know, drug dogs and bomb dogs. And it, it, we were working with an organization based out of um, a Central Texas called Canines for Cops, which works yeah. to raise money to help, you know, put dogs and law enforcement on the, yeah. on the front line. And for me, it's always just been – it's been about watching dogs do what dogs do. Yeah. And, and I love to watch a dog work, whether they're pointing at birds or herding sheep or whatever they're doing. It's just fun to watch something that – in many ways instinctually, but with the training, just knows how to, they're an extension of you. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, the, to me, the similarly, you know, one of the things that I marvel at, uh, both in the in the canine working world or industry, and uh, and just with pet dogs, is that uh, our our arrogance as human beings that we're going to teach them very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to basic obedience and stuff, yeah, like most of those things aren't inherent; uh, they're not natural. You know, dogs don't like to heal and sit and stay and go to place and crate and right. and stuff like that. But when it comes to their their uh, inherited genetics. The, the the best way to approach that is to is to you know be able to select and identify the dogs that have them and in, in the calibers needed to do the yeah. type of work, and then just you know manipulate the environment and let them be a dog, let them do what they do, and and make it easy for them to make the right decision, and then they get rewarded for it uh, because it is. I mean, it's you know to I always laugh when people are like, oh, I'm teaching this dog to track. Like I got news for you, that dog already knows how to track. Yeah. Like you're just showing him the the parameters with which you want him to track. You know, yeah. I mean, dogs yeah. wouldn't exist if they didn't know how to track and and scent and hunt and and do all these other things and and bite and apprehend. I mean, yes, we are as humans, you know, selectively breeding and funneling gene pools, but uh, you know, the ones that are already there that have literally thousands and thousands of years behind them. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you're not, you're not going to teach them anything. You know, I love that. And Cause it's almost like, like you mentioned basic obedience and a lot of things we're trying to get the dog to do the things that we find acceptable behavior yeah. for like you're teaching a toddler yeah. these certain things. And that's yeah. just, you're not going to, you got, you got to, like you said, manipulate the environment yeah. and, so that they instinctually do what they're doing. And, you know, and my wife, you know, it, it's funny how men approach dogs and your wives approach <laughs> dogs. Yeah, yeah. You know, my wife's like, it's 35 degrees outside. Should we bring them in? And I'm like, they're wearing a fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's actually happier out there. <laughs> they like it. Yeah. They don't want to come in the house. Yeah. They don't want to be in here where you've got the, you're having a, you know, going from hot flash to cold flash. You've got the temperature set on 80 in here. They don't yeah. want to be in here with this. Yeah. You know, she's like, she's going to pee on the floor. Well, that's because that's what dogs do. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, be somewhere. No, I know it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, again, we we rationalize things like that. Like, why would you go to the bathroom in your own house? Like yeah. to them, it's not their own house necessarily. If it's not right where they're sleeping, they don't really care. Yeah, uh, you know, you've you've got to teach them those things. But uh, ring a bell at the back door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then Joe will hop up on the commode. Yeah, just, they ring the back door bell. Yeah, and they, I go let them out. Yeah. You know they can they can be taught just about anything. You know yeah. and that's really kind of the 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 benchmark or the or the framework of of the online training that I started a few years ago is is that is that you know people just like with shooting or working out or being a chef, I mean whatever is hey give me a couple of quick pointers like it doesn't work that way. It's akin to saying I'm a, I'm a total slob and out of shape. You know give me a couple of exercises I can do to make me look like Bruce Lee. Like it, it, yeah. it doesn't work that way. So you know, structuring your environment, having a, a finished product in mind and then working your way backwards from that and developing a plan and executing it is, is the key. Like it's really not complicated and it's not hard. It just takes putting a little bit of time in and being consistent, viewing the dog or viewing the world rather through that dog's eyes and not, not trying to, to overthink everything that, uh, that yeah. the dog's probably thinking this or that. I mean, he's not thinking a lot of the time, you know, he's just making associations. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's it's fascinating. It really is. And so when you were when you were uh, working with the military and you were training those dogs for that, was it primarily for bomb detection and, and explosives? That was half of it, uh, which is you know to to put a percentage on you know the value. That's the the overwhelming uh, you know value that dogs bring to the table is their nose for that purpose. But uh, the other side of that coin is apprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, and where we use them in the SEAL teams or special operations community more so than I think most uh, units specifically in the regular military is uh, is a couple of things. Is One, like on a target, we may send the dog in. Uh, and, and overseas, a lot of times there will be, you know, false floors yeah. or uh, fake furniture or, you know, things of that nature where there are people hiding. You know, it's, yeah. there's been instances where a rug like this on the floor that there's a trap door underneath that and there's, you know, eight dudes under there armed. Uh, you know, that are, are getting ready to ambush a, a unit coming in to assault a target, and the dog will pick up on that, you know. Yeah. So they're still using their nose the same way they do to find IEDs and explosives, but they're finding people. And so uh, that's a big component, running into a room where, you know, you've got a couple of insurgents sandbagged in, getting ready to mud suck, you know, the first three or four guys coming in the room. Dog comes in, finds them, and neutralizes them. Uh, and then the last thing is what we call squirter control, which is where, you know, you may post a dog out to a flank, uh, you know, before the team in, enters into whatever target they're assaulting. And uh, at that point, you've got, um, you know, the dog and the handler busted out to one side. And if dudes try to squirt out the back, you let the dog go and he, he tracks them down and, yeah. and uh, hammers Take, them. Takes care of business. Yeah. Let me tell you, I've watched these dogs work. And uh, I don't ever want to be on the, on the yeah. receiving end of that. I know it. I, I mean, I, I kind of laugh at, at the people that, uh, you know, scoff at, at a dog's ability to, to take them down. And, yeah. you know, they'll say things like, I'll just, I'll give them this hand and I'll choke them with the other. And it, the yeah. thing that, you know, a well-trained, genetically capable animal, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's like trying to arm wrestle a chainsaw. Like, yeah. wherever that dog grabs you, he's going to absolutely destroy it. And, and yeah. you know, the more you move and, and the more you let him push and drive and shake and dominate you the more damage you know if you try to fight him it's going to do more damage to you yeah. you know so um when you see a dog legitimately get somebody you know and, and whether they put up a fight or not and you see the damage that they do uh very quickly you realize you know yeah that actually probably wouldn't pan out so well if i if i yeah. tried to go go at it with them well we go out you know we do we do and i didn't even know this was such a thing until a couple of years ago but i mean so we've got the folks, the the guys from Denmark that'll come over and compete, and then you know we'll send guys over there to compete with the Danes, and it's it's this but this competition of protection training, you know, protection trained dogs, yeah. personal protection dogs, and they, they put them in competitions. I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost like going to these agility trials and watching these dogs work, and it's yeah. and it's amazing to watch. And and you know we've got uh, our buddy. Um, <laughs> our buddy over at the at the kennel he's he's he you know he, he's an incredible dog trainer himself but he's also you know he'll dress up and be the target most mm-hmm. of the time and he's a black guy yeah. and so we'll post those videos on youtube and they're like why are you sicking the dog on the black guy <laughs> yeah. you know why, why are you keep making the black yeah. guy yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Of, course, of course it's got to be racist right i know yeah. exactly yeah. And so be. we'd go out there on saturday mornings and i would do a live feed video on facebook or whatever and they were like dude i don't feel comfortable watching this <laughs> <laughs> it, it's have you been in the suit before yeah yeah i mean it, it's yeah. brutal i mean it you know for the as you well know like you can explain that level of intensity where a dog's eyes i mean are literally yeah. burning through your soul you know waiting to just to, to be able to get on you and and uh, that yeah. that feeling like you don't realize how hard they bite and, and how capable they are uh you know until yeah. you actually do it. i mean I, and it's funny to give you a perspective i you know we'll, we'll take willie out there and willie's you know it, to, to him you start out as a puppy it's a game you know they're, yeah. they're t- hitting a target and stuff like that and then we've seen some dogs where you know not only do you have the sleeves and stuff on but you got i've seen the chain mail stuff on there and i'm like oh 
you know, they come out of that, and they're like, well, that hurt worse having that yeah. chain mail on there because we were just digging the metal into my arm. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, I mean, they, and you think the power, the power in the jaws of these dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they can destroy. No, it, it's significant. I mean, I, I've had, granted, just, just I can count on one hand. I mean, there's been a few different dogs that I've worked in the last decade that have actually bitten all the way through a, a bite mm-hmm. suit. Um, you know, and, and that's rare. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing to remember is that in street clothes, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, to put into perspective, you know, the amount of damage that they can do in, in such yeah. a short time. I mean, I've had... I've had bones broken. I've had, you know, tendons damaged. I've had nerves damaged. You know, I mean, both of my hands are, are tingly and numb most of the time from all the bites I've taken in my arms yeah. and, and uh, elbows and things like that. But, um, you know, their their ability to inflict that is something that, you know, again, even through that equipment, uh, you, you get a really healthy respect for, you know, the, the yeah. instant that they're on you. I think most people just, they don't realize. You know? Yeah, I'll tell people, I'll say, go watch these videos that we put out because um, I, I've seen them in the suit take a grown man and throw them oh yeah i mean just sling them around and bring them down yeah well i mean so if you think about it right so like if you ever worked with medicine balls in a gym you, yeah. know, you take a a 10 pound medicine ball and play catch with it you know just from me to you it, yeah. it's going a couple miles an hour it'll still put you on your ass or at least knock you back uh now imagine something that weighs 75 pounds moving 30 miles an hour yeah. like of course it's going to level you you know yeah. and uh yeah, I mean they're just their 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 ability to do their job is uh, something that I, I continue to marvel at. As long as I've been doing it, I still, you know, continually am impressed and amazed by uh, just how capable they are. But, it really is, and it's fun to watch. I mean, it's 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 there is a certain so Willie. I go back to him. You know, we had we had we've got the kennels down there, and then we've got um, a couple of our personal dogs. And my wife, I told her one day, I said. We're bringing one more dog into the family. And she said, no, we're not. I said, yes, we are. And she said, I'm putting my foot down. No, we're not. And I said, but look at these puppies. <laughs> and let me yeah. tell you something. So, Nothing put, picks a woman's foot up faster I know. than a puppy. So anyway, and, and of course, um, we just had the uh, – Willie's coming up on two years old. April 29, he'll be two. So he's still developing there. And uh, – um, <clears throat> but – he was traveling with me everywhere I was going, even mm-hmm. as a puppy. He was he was always with me, and then got to a point where he started pissing on everything vertical. And I said, <laughs> "Well, let's let's let him stay home a little bit, and I'll yeah. you know we'll get him through that phase." Yeah. And uh, he took such a such a connection to my wife, and she was like, "Now nah, you can't take him. He's yeah. going to stay here." Yeah. Which actually makes me feel great as much as I'm on the road because I know yeah. that, you know, she's got. Yeah, it's better to have Willie with Mama. I'd rather have Willie with Mama yeah. at this point in time. And trust me, she's armed to the heel. She's a Texas woman that believes in the Second <laughs> Amendment, sleeps next to a gun, and is easily startled when she sleeps. She's, this chick will shoot you. Yeah. Uh, she's got a, She's got within an arm's reach at any time while she's sleeping, she can reach four guns. Um, and then there's Willie. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I feel pretty good got, about it. Yeah, you got quite the quite yeah. the security layer set up, no doubt. Yeah, no, it's fun, and 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 to watch them do that. But you had um, the uh, you've written, and that's what I was pulling up here a minute ago because I'm so horrible. I, I mess these names up. Trident Canine Warriors is yeah. that your first book? It is. Yep. Trident Canine Warriors, and then you did Navy Seals Dogs, which was kind of a retelling of that. Yeah, it's just it's the the YA or the young adult adaptation. Yeah. It was it was actually for the uh, the Scholastic uh, School Book. Uh, fairs that yeah. like that program 
which was neat because, uh, you know, at that time, my kids were in that, that age range. And so, you know, they'd come home from school with their little scholastic book fair yeah. flyer thing and, and their dad's book is in it. That's cool. kind of neat. But, uh, but yeah, so those did, uh, you know, did, did pretty well. And, and then, so I was approached to do kind of a, a strictly a training book and that's what the, the last book team dog, yeah, team dog, um, that's, that's what that is. And it's basically, you know, my online training is, this is the precursor to that, you know, the, yeah. the online training are, or is, uh, video representations of all of the things I talk about yeah. in that book. But how to train your dog the Navy SEAL way, team dog. I I love that. I love the change too because on the on the Trident Canine you got the the Shepherd there, yeah. and then on Team Dog you got the Yellow Lab. Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> we're gonna bring it down a little. Yeah, well, I mean even yeah even with the title, like looking sure. back on it, I I I should have named it or subtitled it something different. Um, because a lot of people see that subtitle and they're like, well, I have a, a Labradoodle. Yeah. You know, I don't need a Navy SEAL trained dog. But the the point of that subtitle is that, you know, all of the, the principles that, that I've used and learned, albeit some of them the hard way uh, over the years of training these dogs, is that, you know, that getting them from point A to point B, whether it's, you know, a laser-guided explosive detector dog yeah. for a federal law enforcement group, or teaching the skipper key to stop, you know, biting the kids, you know, when she's going after a peanut butter sandwich or whatever. Like those principles are the exact same. Yeah. You know how how you imp- apply them and, and the medium that you're using them is different, but the the basic operant conditioning principles behind it are all the the very exact same thing. And so I I take uh, my approach towards you know if somebody says hey I've got problem X with this dog it doesn't matter what breed of dog it is doesn't matter what problem X is, my solution is, is a process, and it's basically the same process all the time, which is going back to the original point, which was, you know, structuring the environment, manipulating it so that you become that dog's center focus. Right. You know, is that you're neutralizing all the white noise, all the outside stimuli by by feeding through training and using crates and kennels initially to, to kind of put the dog through a, what I call dog boot camp mm-hmm. uh, or canine boot camp, which is where you're, you're, again, you're, you're getting rid of everything. It's just you, the dog, and, and now you're shaping behavior using these different reinforcement techniques. And, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, primarily what I, what I go off of. Do you have a, do you have a go-to or specific favorite breed or does it, it's just the disposition of the dog? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's a hundred percent about the, the character of the dog. And, and, you know, to give you an example, people, especially in the working dog industry, you hear people argue about shepherds being this and Malinois or that and Dutch shepherds are this and Taverns are X and, and whatever. And to me, my selection process is what it is, you know, no different than you interviewing somebody for a job. and doesn't matter if they're Asian, you know, man, woman, whatever. Well, oh, it matters around here. Yeah, around here, matters, around, Mark does not get along with women. <laughs> that's, that's actually not a surprise. A, this is a toxic workforce yeah. we got around here with Mark yeah. when it comes to women. He's yeah. uh yeah. Play, yeah, I bring the toxicity to the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so soft, man. I even shaved my beard last week, and I yeah. keep seeing myself, and it's pissing me off. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you know that that's kind of the 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 deal, really, is is that I I approach it very systematically and, yeah. and uh, very non biased to whether it's a female or male, or if it's a shepherd, a Malinois, whatever. My test is what it is, and so the dogs that pass that test are essentially all the same. I mean, I. I refer to it as the breed as a paint job in terms mm-hmm. of when I'm dealing with them because they're if they've done all the things that I need them to to do, uh, it's it's pretty irrespective of of what uh, what breed they are. If you're going to walk somebody through a selection of they're trying to pick the dog that's right for them, or whether it's a working dog or which, in my opinion, 
I don't know a better way to say this other than just to say I think all dogs, they need structure. Dogs need that because, again, you're letting them exist in their environment, but mm-hmm. you have to structure you know, that environment, especially if you're going to – those two worlds are going to collide with each mm-hmm. other, whether it is just a, a family pet or a dog that has a specific purpose, which me personally, I think that all dogs should have a specific purpose. Sure. Yeah, 100%. You know, the in terms of your question about selection, selectivity, selection process, et cetera – is again, I, I look at it the same way as training is what do you want? Yeah. You know, because, you know, that ideal companion, whether it's at a high working capacity, just a straight companion animal, an agility dog, a, a protection dog, a, a dog you want to, you know, do a lot of hiking with, you know, you, you've got to know, hey, these are the all of the things that I want to be able to do with this dog. Now I need to go find the dog that's going to fit all of those those parameters and yeah. check all of those boxes. So that, that needs to drive what dog you get, you yeah. know, and, and, and those are going to be varied, you know, from person to person, family to family. Uh, in terms of the structure component, unquestionably, that's where most people screw up, you know, is, yeah. is again, as they view something as simple as they leave dog toys all over their house, right? And, and you've got a young puppy and there's a Kong here and a Nyla bone there and a, and a greeny, chewy uh, dental bone over here. And then there's a stuffed animal here and there's the kids' toys here and your shoes are over there. If you put yourself in the dog's shoes, they don't know what the hell the difference is between any of right. those things, you know. And so just something as simple as they're not allowed to put their mouth on anything inside the house. You know, they're either they, they can play with whatever toy I want them to in a crate or they can do it outside uh, or, or in a designated area where you can put your mouth on things in here. Just making it black and white makes a big difference, you know, yeah. and so you're not constantly reprimanding the dog. From a, tr- a structure standpoint, that's where most people make mistakes is that, um, you know, dogs are, are genetically hardwired, even if they're not dominant or alpha, as that, that term gets thrown around way too much uh, or way too too often. Beta male. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Beta mo- male. way more yeah. than it should, is most dogs are not truly dominant or, or alpha or naturally forwardly aggressive. Very yeah. few of them are. What Where people uh, are mistaken is that there's a lack of structure and nobody running the show. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a dog that's not truly dominant, that's in an environment that's completely chaotic, not structured, and nobody is, is leading by example and being stoic, emotionally stable, consistent, and, and communicating non-verbally to that dog as to what they want to happen, you've got a recipe for disaster because you've got a power vacuum. And so the, the hard wiring in an animal, in a dog, is that if nobody's running, nobody's running the show, then they will roger themselves up to do it, you know, but they don't want to do it. So that's when you've got a neurotic, psychotic, high-strung, nervous, anxious dog that's not dominant, that's trying Mm. to be because nobody else is. That's interesting. Uh, And and that's, you know, frankly, I'd say 85, 90% of the the problem dogs that I run into that are just house pets, that's the case, is that you've got a bunch of spineless idiots inside their house that that don't, (laughs) that, that, you know, are are too, too, uh, you know, too pussy-footed to to, you know, be able to get in a dog's ass or, or at least to be structured enough. And it's not about being violent. I mean, some of the videos I have on my online training, I've got Be the Man Part 1 and 2. Yeah. And I never even put my hands on the dog. But, but Give you them the Caesar Milan shock there. The... Not, not exactly. It's a little different than that. <laughs> if, but... they're, if they're being that way with their dogs, they're probably being yeah. that way with their kids, 100%. too. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, the, the parallels between... What's wrong with the world today? Yeah, the, the parallels between uh, bad dog training and bad child rearing are, yeah. are uncanny. You know? I love that. Be Agreed. the Man Chapter 1 one (laughs) which tells you there's there's more chapters coming there's multiple chapters (laughs) be the freaking man yeah oh my god see we live it we live in i i i love putting stuff out there like that just sort of piss people off yeah you know but you're right 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's again, that's uh, if I could point to a single point of failure, uh, it's that it's, you know, people can't be consistent and they don't understand how to nonverbally communicate. And, and uh, I, I catch hell all the time for, you know, some of my views on some of that stuff. One of them being spaying and neutering your dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually put a video on my YouTube channel just not not very long ago and, and people lost their damn minds about it because I, I, my advice is, is to don't is to not do it. Yeah. You know, and of course, you know, the the vitriol and, and the initial response is, you know, obviously you've never been to a shelter and this is totally irresponsible and all these other things. And, you know, I just have a different perspective on it is that, you know, if to me, if you can't control your dog or put enough time in to teach slash train and control the dog not to go out and have puppies, you shouldn't have a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it's laziness. And you got to teach the dog safe sex. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you can't, have you teach ever tried to put a, a condom, condom on a dog? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's way easier than you'd think. Party foul. I got a feeling you probably have tried yeah, it. No, probably done goofy. some things to dogs that most people yeah. would. <laughs> Let's just let's just say you got some stock in uh, in Jif peanut butter over there. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. Creamy. <laughs> See, no wonder no wonder uh, Rody's so excited when you come home. Yeah, yeah. and he's not neutered. Listen, either, let so. me tell you the truth. Now, one of the things that we have on my tour rider, whenever I show up in the green room, there's always a thing of peanut butter. Yeah, and let me tell you, we might take a couple of scoops of the peanut butter out or whatever. Steve always goes home with the with the jars of peanut butter. He always shoves them in his pile. bag. Now it's yeah. all coming together now <laughs> of it. you and the dogs and the peanut butter. Yeah. You pervert. Get off my set. Well, At least you're honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Um, I catch, you know, I catch it a lot because, you know, like, for instance, again, I refer back to Willie. Um, didn't neuter it. Have no intentions to neuter him. I've never been drunk enough to want to cut my yeah. own balls off. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, it's more it's it's more complicated than just you know you should have better control over your yeah. animal. Is that you know that from a health aspect, you know, we we've as a society have been brainwashed to think that that's the healthier option. It's not, right? You know, and and to say like, well, they they won't get prostate cancer if if you do that. Well, granted, like if a woman cuts her tits off, she's not going to get breast cancer. That that's not a good you know, mechanism for, for mitigating breast cancer. Yeah. Uh, and, and taking it a step further is that just like, you know, men, women of, of, of all age ranges is that by removing the hormones that make them men and women, it's dangerous, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's horrible for them and it, and it creates a lot of emotional problems. That's what's wrong with uh, culture now. I mean, people it is. I mean, beta males. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, you see it in, in, you know, men as they get older or women, as they go through menopause, you know, the hormones start to change and it turns them into basket cases. I, you know, I, I strongly believe that's a big a big component to why so many dogs are jacked up is because their their hormones are way out of whack. But even more so than that is that, you know, from a from a responsibility standpoint is that, you know, you, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, control your dogs so that that they, they're not having puppies, because that's the biggest uh, complaint uh, or, or criticism I get is that, you know, shelters are overfilled. And when you give people that advice. It's even worse, and I would I would just say think about this: is that you know shelters are are the the busiest and and most overcrowded they've been in the history of this country after decades of spaying and neutering campaigns. You cannot grab a dog out of a shelter without it being spayed or neutered. Spayed or neutered, right? right? You can't do it. So I would ask, how is that working out for us as a country? Yeah. It's not, and the reason it's not is because you know the dogs that end up in those shelters are are a not ending up there from people who have accidental breedings. They're, they're from people who are, are, are uh, intentionally doing it, whether at backyard, puppy mill, or otherwise. 
The other side of that token is that they're ending up there because you don't know what you're doing training-wise. And removing the hormones is a, is a Band-Aid, a dangerous, right. irresponsible, and lazy Band-Aid on not putting the time in and just learning how to train your dog. I mean, that's that's the, a big reason why I started the online training was to teach people how to train your dog yourself so that they're not ending up in shelters and you're getting rid of them because, well, I tried neutering him and he still wants to piss on this or run, run across the street and I thought I'd keep him here. That's the wrong answer. You know, yeah. I'm not going to cut my kids' legs off to keep them from running out in the traffic. I'm going to teach them not to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what most people just don't do, you know. I love that. I bet you did catch hell. I did. I, I, I still am. I mean, people, sure. I mean, they're swearing at me, personal attacks, you know, calling me irresponsible. Clearly, you've never been to a shelter. I've pulled more <laughs> dogs out of shelter. I mean, I've, I've pulled dogs out of shelters trained them and now they're in airports working at tsa like don't talk to me it's, about never having been to a it's shelter. funny it's funny to me like if you do a video and you're shooting a firearm yeah everybody comes out and they're going to tell you what you're doing wrong yeah everybody <laughs> yeah. everybody they're going to tell you what you're doing wrong if you post a video doing dog training you know we will post the videos every now and then with the protection training and they'll they love to tell you what you're doing wrong yeah. everybody's an expert oh, no. on this thing so I can only imagine when you came out and said that, which yeah. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And I, I don't care. Yeah. You can disagree with me all you want to. I kiss my rear end. I don't, I don't, I mean, I agree yeah. with you. No, I'm the same way. I'm not, I'm not taking it down and, and yeah. I'll, I'll have that debate with anybody. I mean, the pro, the only, the only thing I will say that I, I probably should have done better and maybe I'll do a follow up video is I should have explained even further the points that I just made. I, I did yeah. kind of a reduced synopsis of that. Well, it's a great but, argument. I mean, yeah, what you just if said you're is an irresponsible dog owner. Yes. Go get your, Pets spayed and neutered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to me, or it's don't just, get a dog. Yeah, just don't, don't get a dog. Don't, don't have, a dog. Them, you know, don't have but, kids either. Then, yeah, yeah. No, mm -hmm. I agree with you. I, I think uh, you know we we buy into this stuff hook, line, and sinker, and it just becomes a catchphrase and all all these different things. It's like no, it, the, it boils down to irresponsible dog ownership all yeah. the way across. Yeah, and, and most people they you know they're spoon fed no different than they're spoon fed on certain social uh, agendas throughout the media that they don't really stop and, and think about it objectively. Yeah. Like, just think about it, you know. I mean, replace dog with child, even though I don't like to anthropomorphize and, and do that typically, but replace it that way. And, and you know, whether it's breed-specific legislation, you know, which I think is crap, uh, or mandating certain things that dogs have to be, you know, spayed or neutered or, or whatever, uh, you know, to be able to go certain places or to adopt a dog or, or whatever. And I think, I think uh, from experience that it causes more problems in them by being so hormonally imbalanced, especially if you do it before they're physically mature. I mean, yeah. that's... Yeah, growth that's, plates haven't closed. That, yeah, I mean, that, that's a travesty, I think, when you see, you know, eight-week-old puppies getting neutered uh, or having full-blown hysterectomies. Uh, I mean, it it does way more harm than good. You know? I have two boys in puberty right now and a sharp knife, so I'm kind of <laughs> mulling that thinking, around. Thinking about it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. mulling that around. Yeah. No, it's it's fascinating, though, and I, I encourage everybody not only to get the books, because um, I, I love it because you're coming from your military perspective, but you're also coming from, you know, the typical animal owner's perspective yeah. in both of those books, and and um, it's, it's a fascinating deal. I encourage people to get online, and that is uh, – the the give me the website again for the training. So the training is teamdog.pet. Uh, yeah. All one word. If you just go to mikeritland.com, you can It's on everything. You got a great website yeah, by the I way. Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah, it's 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 got, you know, whether it's speaking, all the books, the online training, you know, products that I have coming out, uh, all the media stuff I've done, the, the podcast info, everything. That's yeah. kind of the 
the hub for everything that I I'm in the process of rebuilding my website, so I'm a website junkie right yeah. now. And yours is one of the ones I'm actually sending over to my guys saying, oh, this nice. works. This is nice. <laughs> Everything's right there. The menu's easy. Yeah. Talk about a little bit the, uh, the the product line stuff that you've got coming. Yeah, so, you know, similarly is that, you know, when I identified, I, I'd seen a lot of other online training, you know, academies or programs or whatever. And way, one, they were m- way more expensive than most people were willing to roll the dice on. Mine is 99 bucks for unlimited access for a year, and, and half the time there's a, a half-off promotion running. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also do it by the month, uh, $12.99 a month if you'd, if you'd rather do that. Uh, but, you know, it, it was in response to, you know, uh, a lack of things out there, products out there, online training that, uh, that I saw that I, I felt was applicable to your average everyday person. Products are no different. You know, there's a lot of crate manufacturers out there. They all suck, in my opinion. I've, I've tried every one of them, and, and I can tell you three or four things I hate about every single one of them that mm-hmm. make them either uh, inadequate to store a, a separation anxiety-ridden dog in or they're too heavy to, to travel with or, you know, pick a million things. Right. Same thing with, with a leash and collar. There's a lot of, a lot. I mean, there's millions of leashes and collars out there. Excuse me. No, I don't like any of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I've got a, a Tricos leash and collar that's off of RayAllen.com. And again, if you just go on Mike Ritland, there's links to all of these products, but there's a, a leash and collar. I've got a crate coming out that, uh, that I think is going to be the best crate that, that you can buy, uh, here in the next probably two months. Uh, I've got a, a dog food that's a dehydrated raw natural diet, uh, which kind of strikes that, that happy medium again between, you know, the benefits of raw feeding and, and not over-processed dry food but the convenience of it being freeze dried so it's cheap to ship doesn't have to be you know refrigerated or frozen you can travel with it uh, you can break it up and use it as training treats which we uh, also will offer um, i found a manufacturer in here that that uh, i mean their their production facility looks like back to the future i mean like it's really? it's this whole warehouse of these literally like semi trailer size freeze drying um, machines that uh, that i mean they it looks like some shit out of nasa <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so there there will be dog food, uh, dog treats, uh, meatballs, and then a meal topper. Uh, all but the meatballs are are fortified and enhanced, and, and a complete diet that you can feed your dog. But because so much of manipulating the environment and structuring, you know, the crate and the dog food is is a, a, a critical component to the training platform that I employ in the process that I've introduced uh, through the online stuff. So those two products are huge. Uh, I already. Yeah, I can't wait for my wife to hear this podcast because mm-hmm. now we're about to change the dog's diet completely. Yeah. Everything's about to. Well, it's no yeah. different than than with people, you know. And, and again, yeah. I would say, dog food uh, manufacturers have done a brilliant job. My my hats off to them for doing a fantastic job, hoodwinking the public into thinking that it's good food. You know, certainly there yeah. are some that are better than others, but the fact is, is that you know, if if it can remain, uh, you know, at at that. Uh, you know, room temperature in a bag for nine months, a year, and not go bad when it's, you know, when it's in that form. It's so processed to get to that point that it's not very bioavailable. Right. You know, I don't care how good the ingredients are. If, if you're cooking it to the point where it's it's pelletized, um, you know, it, it's akin to living off of beef jerky and canned goods, you yeah. know, or MREs. Like, yeah, you can do it, uh, but it's not not it's survivable. Yeah, you know. Whereas the the neat thing about freeze dried is you're just removing the the moisture from it. And there are several different ways to freeze dry food. And and you know the the way that that the manufacturing company that I uh, partnered with to do it is it's unquestionably the far more expensive. It takes longer to do it. 
Uh, it's not on a Ron Popeil food dehydrator tray mm-hmm. that you plug into a you know a one ten yeah. outlet. I mean, it's it's a, a process and an expensive one. Uh, but uh, the 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 benefits to that is that it does not remove all of the good stuff. You know, uh, all of the enzymes and and the bioavailability once it's reconstituted is is completely there. And I've this isn't something that I'm you know speaking out my ass with. I've got a kennel full of twenty five to thirty dogs at any given time, many yeah. of which are old, grumpy, broken, retired warrior dogs, high-performance athletes, and I've, I've spent the last several years working with this company dialing in uh, the formula to get it exactly how I want it to be nutritionally appropriate for them, and, I, and I've tried it on a ton of them uh, yeah. and, and, you know, to make sure that they'll keep weight on and that their stool is fine and, and that their you know, blood panels, liver panels, uh, urine, fecal samples, everything balances out and, and and isn't negatively impacted because they're getting too much fat that's affecting their pancreas or getting too many, you know, uh, other enzymes, whether it's too much phosphorus and not enough calcium making their blood acidic. You know, all of these things have been hammered out over several yeah. years with multiple nutritionists using myself and all of my dogs as guinea pigs to ensure that it's a, that it's a, a, a nails product. And, and we're finally at that point we'll, where we'll be able to release it here probably next month. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Folks have got to get over to MikeRitland.com. You uh, you doing much on social media as far as Twitter or anything like that? Um, admittedly, not a lot on Twitter because I find myself uh, spent. Punch somebody? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's one of the big problems with our society is not being <laughs> held accountable for your mouth, you know. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yes, sir. I know. Yeah, I mean, when, when you have the ability to say what you want and there's no repercussions, uh, you, you see what happens. And people talk to each other. Very, very much unlike they would talk to each other in person, you yeah. know, and uh, I'm not the toughest guy in the world, but uh, I, I can hold my own and, and I can tell you that <laughs> I'll kick your ass. I, even if I have lost 40 percent of my know, lung capacity, you know, there, there's a lot of people that, that <laughs> I, I have a I have a hunch. They wouldn't say the things that they yeah, say yeah, to me uh, if, if they were sitting the way we are, you know, and so we I, have this conversation all the time amongst yeah. our group. There's yeah. a virtual world and there's a real world and people yeah. behave differently in both. Yeah, so I, I don't do a lot on Twitter for that reason. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, I'm more active on, I would say, because, yeah. you know, it, it's a little more appropriate for, you know, pictures, videos, and, and showing some of the things that I do and, and yeah. things of that nature. But uh, that's at M. Ritland uh, on both Twitter and Instagram, and then it's just Mike Ritland on Facebook. Gotcha. Yeah, at M. Ritland. You gotta go find you. Gotta follow you on face, on uh, on Instagram for sure. I'm yeah. starting. To, I'm starting to get into that Instagram thing. Yeah, I uh, I dig it. Instagram's dangerous though, man. There's all these women on there with their oh, no clothes on. And well, and <laughs> there's so much smoke and mirrors too. You know, between <laughs> editing, it's like, is that even a real person? I, I maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. Real even, men don't use filters. Is that a dude? Maybe <laughs> is that a chick? I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. It's ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. These days you don't know. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. You find you find yourself looking at. at uh, at Thai women that aren't aren't women. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and apparently there's a lot of those out there. Yeah. Remember, Mark, if you're fat but you identify as skinny, you're trans fat. Okay. That's right. That's there, right. Yeah. So I uh I appreciate you coming on the show and hanging out with us, man. I'm a fan of the Mike Drop podcast. I wish my name was Mike so I could have come up with something that cool. Yeah. You know? There's just nothing. It. I got nothing yeah. named Chad. I get picked on because my name's Chad on Twitter. Yeah. I have people Chad. Oh, you're such a Chad. <laughs> You don't even know what I mean. Yeah. I guess that's their way of saying I'm a douche, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, people will find a reason to make fun of you. I man. know. Yeah, I know. Well, we we've been on social media for so long, doing so much at such a level that I I don't even look at it anymore. And I've always been pretty thick skinned. I really don't care. But you're right. People treat each other different. You think the world uh, 
You think America's lasting another generation or two? How are we looking? I don't know. I think it's a it's a, t- a coin toss, honestly. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, the the level with which political correctness has dictated how we conduct ourselves is such that uh, it, it's well past counterproductive. I mean, and it's mm-hmm. to the point where it's dangerous, you know. And and to me, the the irony of it is is that I don't I don't think most people really believe most of the shit that they say. Right. You know, I think that they're they're checking a box and they're looking over their shoulder. Uh, you know, it's like, I mean, it's honestly like they live their life like they're about to tell an edgy joke, you know, it's like, who's looking, you know, like you you can't, uh, to me, that's no way to live, you know, but, uh, but because of that, I think that that seeps into every other element of our society and and creates one with which, uh, you know, is, is a very skewed perception of reality that coupled with social media, essentially being a brochure for everybody's life. You know, I mean, it's, it's very much like a a military recruiting brochure is that, Look at a SEAL recruiting brochure, and, and the, all of the things you see in that brochure is about 8% of the job. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of it just plain sucks. You know, yeah. it's covered in mud, getting kicked in the nuts, freezing your ass off. You know, they don't show you that. You know, they show you fast roping down onto a, an oil platform and kicking Saddam in the nuts. Like, it, you know, that's that's not You mean there's no it. time out? Well, there is. There is now. <laughs> yeah. A training timeout. <laughs> In boot camp. But, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, all of those things, to answer your question, is there hope? You know, I hope there is. I like to think that at, at our root as a society uh, is, is that at some point there will be a breaking point and, and we yeah. will self-correct, you know, um, whether that's being invaded by another country or, or somebody, you know, conducting a, an EMP type attack or some large scale infrastructure type attack. I mean, I don't I don't know what it would take at this point, probably something that drastic for people to. To legitimately pull their head out of their ass and, and realize that, uh, yeah. you know, we can't see the forest for the trees on most things. But, um, you know, I, I, I hope that there is. Uh, I'm not convinced that there is. Yeah. I mean, we unified for about two or three days after 9-11. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I wish that it didn't take that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I Yeah. I mean, to me, the nine twelve America is the America I want. Yeah. You know, uh, pissed off for a good reason. Uh, everybody, you know, is on the same team. Uh, and more importantly, everybody's di- willing to do what is necessary, which means actually getting your hands dirty. Yeah. You know, not not delegating it to somebody else or sweeping it under the rug for the next generation. It's saying, here's the problems we've identified, and now we're gonna we're gonna go on the offense and be proactive to get rid of them. You know, yeah. that, I mean, to me, that's that's what we should be doing all the time. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and I, I think that um, not, you know, psychologically, nothing unites people more than a common enemy. Yeah. And that's and and I hate to. Uh, admit that I think you're right, that it's going to take something big to bring it back because yeah. we've lived in, in la-la land. We've had our head buried in the sands for too long, and we yeah. haven't been grounded in reality at all. We're, we're, I mean, the reality of it is we're too comfortable, yeah. you know, is that, uh, you know, good good uh, elements of technology and, and a society that's relatively affluent across the board breeds complacency. Yeah, You know, uh, we haven't had, you know, a punch in the mouth often enough or severe enough to, uh, you know, to, to bring us back to that, you know, kind of survival mentality or, or you know, street smart uh, ability to recognize problems and, uh, and not get, get hoodwinked by them. And, you know, to me, I, I think there's an, an analogy, ha- having been divorced uh, in the last few years, is that the last couple of years that I was still married, I think, is kind of where America is at right now. It's easier to stay married than it is to say, you know what, neither one of us are happy. Let's let's pull the plug on this and, and right. do the difficult dance of getting divorced. And I think 
a lot of elements of our society are that way and that it's easier to just kind of like, well, we'll worry about the budget after the election. And then the election, comes. well, you know, we got midterms coming up and, you know, yeah. this, the, the, you know, we got the wall to worry about, you know, whatever it is. You know, there's always something that's just a little more important to talk about and deal with than the, than the things that ultimately could prove to be our demise internally, which is, is being so underwater financially that uh, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think, you know, from my perspective, I mean, I'm not a, a, a hard right wing guy. I'm damn sure not a liberal. I'm, I'm probably more on the right, but, you know, centrist, more of a libertarian, maybe a constitutionalist, maybe is, is probably right. the best way to put it. I think, you know, anytime you have a question, what does the Constitution say? That should be your answer. You know, and if that exactly. doesn't answer it, then figure it out. But that answers 99 percent of them. My point is, is that, you know, it's. It's not having that in our society that I think, uh, you know, has us has us where we're at and, and just, you know, pushing, pushing or kicking the can down the road and uh, and letting, you know, a deficit continue to build no matter who the president is. And uh, at some point, like somebody's going to pull your card and, and and your credit and say, you know, pay up. Yeah. And uh, you can't print your way out of it. You know, yeah. the, the quantitative easing is, is a good example of, you know, being a Band-Aid that ultimately causes more problems. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, procrastination does to patriotism. Yeah. It really kind of lulls you into a, a lethargy that it's hard to come out of. Absolutely, it does. Yep. Yeah. Did you? Had, how early on in your life did you know you wanted to go the route of military? Um, I mean, in high school, it wasn't something that, uh, you know, from five years old, although uh, <laughs> I know uh, the yearbooks, right? I mean, this back in elementary school is more like a pamphlet, but— <laughs> Because uh, it, it wasn't a huge class, but what, you know, they ask what you wanted to be when you grow up, and I, and my, I think it was either kindergarten or first grade is when Top Gun was real popular, yeah. uh, and I actually put a naval aviator in there, yeah. which like I didn't even know what it meant, uh, but you know, moving forward, a he decade felt the need from for that, speed. I damn sure did Mark. rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> you dangerous ice man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll be your wingman. Yeah, but uh, oh, you'll be it, mine. It was actually a popular mechanics article that I read uh, when I was a, either a freshman or sophomore that, uh, that that's where I kind of learned about the SEAL teams. And that was, for me, that, that's what sparked my interest. And then I read every book I could. And, and from, from then on, the last couple of years in high school, I spent prepping and training and, and doing everything I could to get ready to, to go. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It was, a judge, it was a judge and a district attorney that, yeah, in, in, you know, put you in the Marines. Put me in the Marines. <laughs> yeah. An ultimatum. Yeah. The lesser of two evils. Something like that. I've known a few people like you, Steve. Yeah. No, I. Uh, yeah, we, uh, much respect. Much respect, man. Mike, I love what you do. I love your perspectives on things. I encourage everybody to get the Mike Drop podcast. Download it. Subscribe. Listen to it. And uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. And you, uh, you know, you've always got various perspectives on there, which are fun. So. I appreciate it. Yeah, we gotta get gotta get you out to the ranch and have you have you on it. Oh, so. I'll do it. I Pretty love good. it, man. Yeah. And um, I uh, I'm gonna bring Willie out to see Mike. We're gonna yeah. get rid of some bad habits. You know, back when I was uh, back in 1996, I was living in an 800 square foot little townhouse, and I thought it would be a good idea to have a Siberian husky. <laughs> and uh, that didn't last but a few weeks. Yeah. I tell you, with with the way they shed, that would turn that apartment into a bird's nest. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's a dog that wants to run 25 miles a day. Yeah. And yeah. I, it didn't didn't work so well. Yeah. That's 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 I've learned a lot about um, dogs over yeah. the years. But uh, yeah, still always learning. One of my favorite things. Yeah. Appreciate what you do to bring a voice to it. MikeRitland.com, MRitland on social media. Find him. Uh, get on there. Go to the website. Check out everything he's got going on because it's a lot. And I promise you, everybody listening to this 
could benefit from something that Mike's got going on. So I appreciate you doing it, man. Thanks oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. It's been, been a blast. Well, all right. We're going to get out of here. Hey, I am going to be on the 15th and 16th of this month of March. I'm going to be in Ramona, California. We've got two shows, two nights. So we're headed out towards. Uh, and by the way, we have some vet ticks available for that those two shows. And uh, if you can get them on vet ticks, guess what? If you uh, they're free, so that's that's a pretty good deal on vet ticks there. With so if you're a veteran, we got I think fifty or sixty tickets to both of those shows that are free. So go in there and get them. You can go to watchchad.com for the ticket links, and we'll see you in Ramona, California. And we got so many other shows coming up. Hopefully, we'll be in a city near you. Mike, thanks for coming on. Oh, my always pleasure. a pleasure, and you're always welcome. Hey, thank you. God bless you guys. We love y'all. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.